But of course, the reality is that we're always in the presence of God. We're always operating in this sea of grace, this reality of God's grace. He's always uh, pursuing us. He's always enabling us to do whatever good we do. Even when we realize we've failed and we turn in repentance to him, that itself is a work of grace. And as Christians, this is true for everybody. I mean, that's an important point here. Even those who don't know Christ, who don't know God, they too are living in this universe. That's why we can recognize truly good works, true love uh, happening out there outside the church. We, when we identify it, uh, we, we praise God for it because those people, whether they know it or not, they are building on the grace that God's given them to do good, to love, to operate according to the, the natural law of God written in their hearts. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing to you another discussion about this, our daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again, as always, for joining me on this uh, on this show. Uh, this is the last episode of the year. We're going to take a little break, but we'll be back you know, in uh, early January. But uh, thanks again for joining me uh, for this discussion, this, this journey that we share here as Christians, here at the Coming Home Network International. Uh, people who are trying to, seeking to be in relationship with Christ in the ways that he's called us to, to really take advantage of the gifts that he's given us in his church, in, this, in the body of Christ, this body uh, of the church militant that we're, that we're a part of. I just really appreciate you being here. Um, you know, I just got done with a study with Brother Rex Anthony Norris a couple weeks ago on the spirituality of the 12 Steps. And before that, I had gone through a long study with my brother, Father Peter, on the cardinal virtues. And you can go check those out at deepinchrist.com to to catch up on those series. But I thought I'd take some time today, being the last uh, episode of the year, to kind of do a meta topic that sort of, you know, weaves together some of the things we've talked about, discussed, explored this year. Um, And along with these series on the community of the Coming Home Network International at community.chnetwork.org, in the little resource on that community for the show, we've had a lot of good discussions. We've had, you know, some questions and, and thoughts about, you know, the putting into practice of these concepts in our life in Christ. You know, again, the virtues being in particular a framework that I'm I'm working with, I care a lot about, I think is is really needed to help us evaluate ourselves and understand this life that God's sending to us, the ways that we've fallen short, the opportunities that we've missed, but then the ways, the next steps that he's calling us forward. I think it's an important thing. What I want to talk about today is a topic that we've we've touched on, um, but it weaves, of course, all the stuff we've talked about together. This show is necessarily uh, two-headed, right? We always are talking on the one hand about our active life in Christ, the things that we do, our, our thinking and our speaking to God and our acting and our fixing, all, all the active parts of our life. But then there's the other half, the more important half, the prior half that has to come before our active life. And that is our life of prayer and contemplation, our life of, of relationship with God, our life of the grace that he gives us and that we, we live and abound in uh, that comes before our active life. And keeping those two, not in balance, but in order, is, is just key to our Christian life, our, act, our active life 
has to grow out of. It has to be rooted in the soil of our relationship with God. So what, what I want to talk about today were the, the theological virtues, okay? Faith, hope, and charity, you know, and we have those in Scripture and we have those as part of our faith. It's, it's a list that many of you are probably familiar with, just like with the cardinal virtues. They're, they're these virtues that get thrown around. Um, and with all the virtues, you know, they're profound and they're powerful, but they've been made sort of inane and impotent by our often imprecise use of the terms or the, just kind of them being thrown around. But uh, as we hopefully saw in, the, in our study of the cardinal virtues and our continued reflection on them, uh, it's a powerful framework because it's a framework that reflects our human nature, the human nature that God gave us, how we actually work as this, as this being that is both body uh, and soul, body and spirit that God, is, that God has made us. It's a framework that helps us understand how we work, why we do what we do, and how we're going to change that, you know, uh, in the ways that we need it, the ways that God's calling us to. But an important, an utterly important uh, aspect of that whole discussion, obviously, then, is what surrounds that active life, the active life of, of the human virtues, the human or cardinal virtues, and that is the, the, the universe of grace that we live in. And I say that, universe of grace, um, because it's interesting how even though we as Christians believe in God, we, we believe that the universe we live in is the universe that God created, the universe in which he has created and ordained and governs and guides, and that we are never outside of that. We're never outside of that context, that context of grace. Even so, so often we're thinking and acting and living as if, as if we kind of move in and out of that universe, right? When I go to mass on Sunday, when I go to church, oh, I'm kind of in that universe where grace is in effect. Well, then I go back out in, into my world of, of finance or chores or my work or my health or, you know, going to the gym or whatever it is. And it's like I'm out of that universe. God doesn't apply here. Or he only really applies if I run into some sticky, hairy, you know, moral dilemma. But otherwise, this is kind of neutral territory. And we know that that sounds silly because it is silly. But it's the way that the world thinks. And we, we absorb that into our into our subconscious, and it kind of it kind of follows us around. That sometimes we we're sort of operating in that universe, and then sometimes we feel like we're not. But of course, the reality is that we're always in the presence of God. We're always operating in this sea of grace, this reality of God's grace. He's always uh, pursuing us. He's always enabling us to do whatever good we do, even when we realize we've failed and we turn in repentance to Him. That itself is a work of grace. And as Christians, this is true for everybody. I mean, that, that's an important point here. Even those who don't know Christ, who don't know God, they too are living in this universe. That's why we can recognize truly good works, true love uh, happening out there outside the church. We, when we identify it, uh, we, we praise God for it because those people, whether they know it or not, they are building on the grace that God's given them to do good, to love to operate according to the, the natural law of God written in their hearts. But we too are operating in that universe. We have an advantage as Christians in that we have divine revelation. We know the nature of this universe that we live in. We know the nature uh, that God's given to us as human beings. And so we're able to engage that. As Christians, we can know how utterly important it is for us to make daily prayer, for instance, you know, the, a bedrock commitment in our lives. Why? Because that is an action step that is reflective of the truth 
of the universe that we live in, that God created it. He called us. He put us here for a purpose. And that anything active we do, any of the words we speak or the actions we take or the roles we try to fill, that all has to, it, it does grow out of grace. But the more that we consciously plug that into the source, the more fruit we're going to see. And without it, and if we're not doing that, especially as Christians, especially we who've been called and given this great gift of relationship with God, if we're not connecting to God, then we're going to be spectacularly unfruitful because to whom as much has been given, much is required. Let me give us a quick uh, review of the cardinal and human virtues. That's, that's the first thing here. I just want to talk very briefly about virtues again. It's, it's always so important to go back over these concepts in our minds. And then I want to talk about them in the context of this universe of grace that we live in, this relationship with God that we live in. And that's where the, the theological virtues come in. So again, what is a virtue? Virtues are, are habits of soul by which we are enabled to do the good. And the cardinal or human virtues are reflective of the kind of nature that we have as humans and the ways that we're able to avail ourselves of the, the, that grace of our nature as human beings, and pursue uh, fulfillment, pursue uh, our development, pursue our, 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 our full human being, you might say. And those four cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Those are the four we've been discussing a lot on here this past year. Prudence, as we've discussed, is this important uh, first step uh, in human action, Prudence is called by St. Thomas Aquinas the, the mother and mold of all moral virtue, the um, genetrix virtutem, the, the virtue bearer, if you will. And oftentimes, those who have even heard of prudence before, oftentimes think of prudence as just, well, not doing stupid things, not making dumb decisions. Or they might think of prudence as just caution. In fact, maybe even being kind of sneaky, you know, the person who is careful not to uh, rock the boat. That is not what prudence is. Prudence is the habit of soul by which we, we turn to reality. We turn to reality. We avail ourselves of reality. We make a choice to be people of reality. Not people of narratives. Not people of, of our, whatever our passions are telling us on a given day not people who try to fit uh, reality into our box, but break out of our box and try to live in reality, in God's reality. That's the first and crucial step of this virtue of prudence, making a habit that even if it's difficult, especially if I haven't looked at it for a long time, I'm a person who wants to go outside of myself and I want to see and come to understand things as they are. So the first step of prudence is turning to reality and then it's acting according to that reality, the realities of who God is and who I am and why God created me, what he's called me to do, you know, what, what is right and wrong, what I ought to be doing. That all begins with this turning to reality, and that's why prudence is recognized as this keystone virtue amongst the human virtues. Insofar as I'm involved in, uh, in, in building upon the grace given to me, the first step is turning to reality and wanting to be a person who acts according to reality. That is the virtue of prudence. And there's many more pieces and, and layers of that. You can go check out our other episode on prudence. But pressing on for now, because this is just a quick overview, the, one of the main realities that prudence attends to is justice. And the way I like to talk about justice is justice is acting in accord with the reality of 
this web of relationships that we live in. One of the highest realities of our life is that we are persons created by God who live in relationship with other persons. Persons such as God himself, the triune God, the three persons in one God. Uh, That relationship is our primary and highest relationship. And so our highest demand of justice is our relationship to God. And then we have all the other relationships uh, underneath that. We have relationship with spouse and with our children or with our, our family, our mother and father, our siblings, our extended family, our friends, our employer, our employees, and everyone else. Justice is to turn, again, in prudence, to the reality of people and the relationships we have them and to act accordingly. And classically, uh, the definition of justice is to give each his due. And so in accord with those relationships, those real relationships, those objective relationships that have objective natures, they have real demands placed on us because we don't make them up. They're real. When I marry my wife, there's something real there that I can't change. What God has joined together, man must not put asunder. Justice in accord to that relationship is acting according to the truth of that relationship that I didn't make. I just uh, entered into. And so the habit of justice, the virtue of justice, is becoming a kind of person who turns to those realities, who tries to put them in proper order because they're often out of order, and who, who seeks to go deeper and deeper in understanding those relationships and giving them the, his very best. That's this virtue of justice. And we, we grow in these virtues over time. So I become, perhaps when I begin it, it's a little difficult. I've got all these responsibilities and they're overwhelming and I'm not, I haven't done a good job with them. But as I grow in that, justice becomes my delight. With God, I come to love justice and the just man. That's, that's growing in this virtue of justice. Finally, we have the two uh, uh, kind of pillar virtues that guard and ensure that uh, justice is done, uh, that, the, that the prudent, just thing that we've identified is done, and these are the virtues of fortitude and temperance. Fortitude is the virtue by which we respond rightly to, uh, to threats of, of danger or violence, things from the outside that, that scare us, that intimidate us, that discourage us. We live as a status, a people in the status via Taurus, the state of being on the way until we end up in in heaven, hopefully. We are people who are fundamentally on the way, and we are fundamentally mortal, right? We're we're going to die eventually, or or less eventually, (laughs) perhaps sooner. We are people who, who are mortal, and whenever we encounter a threat or something that scares us or intimidates us or... Uh, that we that we find difficult. It's a reminder of death. It's a reminder of that that eventuality, and the virtue of of courage or fortitude, as as we call it, is the virtue by which we respond to those rightly. We do the hard right thing, even though it's hard, because it's right. And there's a couple components to to fortitude. A couple key components. One is there's an enduring aspect of fortitude. We endure the evil that comes to us. We don't, we don't uh, turn from our course, uh, even though it's difficult, even though we experience evils, we experience suffering. No, we keep our eyes in prudence and justice on what we've been called to do, and we do it. There's also, also the attack aspect of courage, and that's important too, because sometimes it's not so much enduring evil, but it's, it's stepping out into new territory, taking new territory, as, as a friend of mine likes to say. 
we're called to take new territory, to, to leave our comfort zone, to establish something new in our family, in our, in our mission, in our, our marriage. We're supposed to step out and take new territory for the Lord in our lives. And that, and that involves some fear, right? Because we're stepping out of what's comfortable and familiar. But that's this uh, virtue of courage, which enables us to face that fear and continue to do what is right. Finally, temperance. Temperance deals with the inner life of man. Uh, we are, as, as human beings, we're, we are given this slate of uh, passions and drives and desires that are oriented originally for our good, for our self-preservation. Uh, the author, uh, Joseph Pieper, whose book we were studying this past year, he describes temperance as selfless self-preservation, selfless self-preservation. The drives and desires and, and things in, inside of us, they're oriented towards our self-preservation. They're, they're in there to the desire to eat or to drink or to reproduce or to be in communion with others. All those are good things, but they're, they're tainted, they're twisted by original sin, by our concupiscence. And so temperance is the putting in order of that inner life so that we are, we are one. We are one person oriented toward the good. And when that inner life is not in order, we don't have peace because our many desires and passions are at war with one another and perhaps at war with us, at war with what we know we ought to be doing. But we work to bring those into, into order, uh, self-discipline, self-control. Uh, that's this virtue of temperance. And the fruit of that virtue is, is, a, is a peace. Um, uh, a serenity of spirit is the fruit of this inner order, as, as Aquinas says. So that's, that's this quick and dirty review of the cardinal or human virtues. And again, they describe how we work as humans. They describe kind of a framework for understanding how we work and how we make choices. They describe the components of our active life as human beings and as Christians. Now, it is important, as I said at the beginning, and this is, this is the real meat of our reflection today, that that active life, we know as Christians that that happens in the context of grace, in the context of our relationship with God. He made us. He made our nature. He brought us into existence. He calls us uh, to the, mission, the various missions he's put us to. He's called us to know, love, and serve him and our neighbor. Um, and Insofar as we contribute to that, we respond to that, um, that is primarily described in the cardinal virtues. But the ways that we're enabled to do that, the grace, um, is in, in important ways described by the theological virtues. And so these are virtues where uh, there's a mystery here because they are abilities, their graces given to us um, to do, to enter into relationship with God and to carry out the active Christian life, but we can't make them happen. Faith, hope, and charity are those three theological virtues. These are virtues that we receive and we respond to. We're responding to the grace of God's presence, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who has redeemed us and invites us into new life in him. We don't make these happen. We can't make these happen, but we can respond to them and engage them through our active life. I want to read a few passages from the Catechism about these three theological virtues. The first one is faith, and there's a, this is a great section of the Catechism. And again, if you haven't read the Catechism, if you haven't dug into it, I, I really encourage you to do so. You'll always be surprised when you look up something in the Catechism how uh, beautiful and yet simple, um, action-oriented, scripture-laden uh, the Catechism is. 
This is paragraph 1814, and it says, Faith is the theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe all that he has said and revealed to us and that the Holy, uh, that Holy Church proposes for our belief because he is truth itself. By faith, man freely commits his entire self to God. For this reason, the believer seeks to know and to do God's will. The righteous shall live by faith. Living faith works through charity. So faith is this virtue, um, this, this, this gift by God of our ability to enter into relationship with him, our ability to trust in him. And again, there's some mystery, some paradox here that we can't fully understand. We can simply receive and respond to. But it's like in the gospel, those people who were given this gift of faith, that when Christ walked up to them and said, come follow me, they were able to say, yeah, I trust this guy. I'm going to do it. It's a mysterious thing. It's a mysterious thing how this interacts with our active choices and how does God's grace to be able to do this interact with our choices? Well, we can't fully figure that out. But you're given this opportunity to enter into a trusting relationship with the Almighty God. And again, it's a, it's a response to God's grace. When I was going through a, a time of wrestling with my faith in my, my early teen years, um, earlier in the catechism, it says, you know, faith is man's response to God. That's a simple characterization of what faith is. Faith is man's response to God, which implies that God does something first. He was there first. He was, all, he was reaching out to us first. He was inviting in, us into relationship first. And so when I decide <laughs> to enter into relationship with God, when I decide finally to put my life together and to seek God out and to get to know him, I have to recognize that he's been there all along. I didn't go draw close to him. He was already there. I just decided to finally respond to that. That is this mystery of grace and faith, that our, our ability to enter into a relationship of faith with God is his grace, mysteriously bound up with our, with our decision to respond to it. So there's faith, and faith um, uh, is a, a more intellectual uh, virtue. It's by it's by the virtue by which, which we're, we are able to assent intellectually to the truth of who God is. There's also this theological virtue of hope, and hope. Let me read that too. This is paragraph eighteen seventeen. Hope is more connected to desire, and you'll hear that in a moment. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. This is such an interesting virtue here, placing our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's almost like faith is, is the, head, the head theological virtue by which God gives us the grace to bring, bring our head in line with the truth. And hope is this virtue by which we, he, he draws our heart to himself. We are people, as a result of the fall, whose desires are kind of all over the place. Our desires for even the many, many good things of life keep us at, at dis-ease, right? They keep us discontent in the present moment, our, our various desires, and bringing them into order is part of the work of our lives. But one of the main sources of that order, again, is not of human origin but of divine origin. It's this theological virtue of hope. We are enabled by grace to place our hope in God, to desire him and to desire the good things that he wants to give us, 
to desire to see the fulfillment of the promises that he's made to us. That is a, that is a kind of hope that we can't make. Human hope can be good, but human hope can also be bad. You know, our, our merely human hope can be the sort of thing that keeps us clinging to this world, keeps us clinging to our own efforts. Whereas the theological virtue of hope, hope in God and hope for the good gifts that he has promised us, that is a divine gift. That is a gift that if we embrace it in, in the context of our Christian faith, that is a, a divine gift that animates the rest of our active life, right? In our active life, in our attempts to be prudent and justice and courageous and temperate, we always, we always wrestle with this fundamental difficulty, which is that we're crazy. We're insane. At our core, at our, in our heart of hearts, at our deepest level, the, the me, the I, is broken, is shattered. There's part of me that wants God, but there's part of me that wants all kinds of other crazy stuff. And some days I'm, I, have, I, I seem to be more one person with a single mind uh, who is seeking to live out the Christian life, and some days I just feel like a crazy person, right? That's just the nature of, of the stain of original sin that we care with, carry with us. Um, but this theological virtue of hope is this grace to be able to place our hope in God, to desire him and to desire the things that he wants to give us that, can, that bring all our other desires into, into alignment, into, um, into service of God, into re- responding to his call. And then finally, the third theological virtue is that of charity, right? And this is paragraph 1822. Charity is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. While hope draws up and puts in order and gives proper purpose to our desires in this world, it brings them into alignment, it, it, it places them in God and the things he wants to give us, charity is really amazing. By God's grace in charity, we get a glimpse of what ultimately God has called us to. To desire God now, in some sense, means that I'm not in perfect union with God. Because if I was in perfect union with God, there'd be no desire left. In, in heaven, faith and hope will pass away, even as theological virtues. Why? Because we've moved from the status via Taurus, the state of being on the way, to the status comprehensoris, the state of comprehending what now we only glimpse, we only long for, we only, we only seek. Charity, even now, is a, is a foretaste of that ultimate relationship. We can come to love, we can taste, we can comp- comprehend just a little bit uh, the God who invites us into relationship now. We're able to respond to Christ's directive to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. That kind of love is, is beyond human nature. It's beyond us. But we can enter into it by God's grace. That's this amazing gift of grace that we have uh, in the virtues. So those are the theological virtues. Let's, let's survey this framework for a moment before we close. The reality is that this world was created by God. He called us into existence. He created us. He created our nature because he loves us. He wants to bring us into total relationship with him. That's the context that we live in. 
that grace is, is always there. It's there in our nature, the way that God's designed us, and it's always there uh, actively, God uh, inviting us into relationship with him. The cardinal virtues describe our active life. What we have to do, we get up in the morning and we we pray as best we can and we we recognize the roles God has given us and we go about them, we make a list, we organize them, and then we try to courageously uh, carry on with them, you know, when things are difficult and we try to bring our inner life in order and temperance. But that all happens in the context of grace. And again, as Christians, we're given this great gift of knowing that, of knowing the nature of of this universe, the nature that we've been given, the kingdom that God's called us to. We know that grace is there and we know how much we need it. That's the other great revelation uh, in the New Testament is just how much we need God, how much we need a Savior. That's another thing we talked a lot about this past year in the spirituality of the 12 steps, our recognition of how desperately we each of us need a Savior. When Christ talks about the righteous and the sinners, it's not really the righteous and the sinners. It's the sinners and those who admit that they're sinners and who desire God's healing, right? So we're called in the active life, yes, to, to live our lives, to love our spouses, to take care of our children, uh, to pursue God, to build the kingdom. That all has to be planted. It, it's all happening in the context of, but it all has to be consciously planted in the, the rich soil of the relationship that God's calling us to. That's why it all begins in prayer. That's why whenever whenever we're struggling in, in life, we need to go back to the source. You know, when things when things get tough, when things aren't going well, prayer is always the answer in some way, shape, or form. Returning, drawing close to God, uh, uh, entering more deeply into these theological virtues that he's giving us. Again, these are gifts. These are not things we can muster up. You don't go and try to just kind of gin, gin up some, some faith in yourself. No, you go and you sit at the feet of the Savior and you seek to receive what he wants to give you. And that is a greater faith, a greater hope, and a greater charity. And it is faith, hope, and charity that animate all the rest of our life. All of our active words and works are coming and going, our family life, our work life, um, our relationships, all the things that we do, those are animated. They ought to be animated by faith, hope, and charity. And so we're given this very, very great gift of coming to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're given this gift of, of seeing the value of prayer and, and having the treasury in the church of so many spiritual writers who teach us how to pray, how to enter more deeply into prayer. We're also given this great gift as Catholics of the sacraments that we can draw close in an utterly mind-blowing way to the Almighty God. We can draw close to him in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, that he, he's given us as this permanent sign, his own presence, his own body, that we can draw close to. In fact, we indeed can and are commanded to receive. That's this great gift. And wherever you are in your own spiritual journey, whether you're Catholic or, or thinking about becoming Catholic or you're somewhere on the journey, we recognize, and that's, there's the reason we do the show here, we recognize that the, the main call for all of us today is to enter deeply into that relationship, to receive those gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and to turn around and put them into action. And God only calls us to one day at a time. We can only do today what he, he calls us, what he's given us today. Um, but it all has to be rooted in that soil of the relationship with God. Um, 
and prayer is the way that we enter into that relationship. So, so keep those things in mind. Cardinal virtues, the theological virtues, the description of how our active life is seated in and animated by um, the life of grace. That's always there uh, for us to acknowledge. I hope that some of this today has been edifying, inspiring, maybe thought-provoking for you. Again, it's just the, the fruit of my own reflection as I try to live uh, my life in Jesus Christ, as I try to go deeper into Christ every day. This is a production of the Coming Home Network International. Uh, and as always, we are a, a network of people who have come to embrace the, the Catholic Church as the body of Christ, as the church that, that Christ founded and wants to give his people good gifts through. Um, and if, if you are a new Catholic or you're someone who's thinking about becoming Catholic, uh, this is your network, chnetwork.org. This is your place, your newsletter. This is your website. These are your resources. They are here for you and by you. Uh, we're in, uh, a network of converts who have put all this together and are walking alongside with you because uh, even we who have become Catholic, it's just a next step in the journey, the journey of continual conversion to Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to journey along with us, uh, the best way to do that is by joining our online community at community.chnetwork.org. It's the best place to follow this show and other shows in the Coming Home Network, as well as to, to journey along in your life in Jesus Christ with other, uh, other men and women like yourself. So check that out. And once again, this has been uh, Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. This is the last episode of this season, of this year. And But I'll be back next year with more uh, weekly reflections on our life in Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'll see you next year. Mm-hmm.